New eras can be exciting. Uh, our family entered a new era this week. Our eldest, our eldest son went off to high school. Uh, and so that's a new era in our family. And at the same time, our youngest went into kindergarten. Uh, we don't have any children at home or at preschool uh, during weekdays anymore. And yes, Naomi and I did celebrate, as we saw many other parents doing on Cheap Tuesday, uh, having a lunchtime date at the movies. It's a new era and it's fairly exciting. 21 years ago, I embarked on a new era. I loaded up my little Honda hatchback with everything that I had in my country town and left my hometown to move to Sydney to go to university. Uh, that's not my exact car, but I had one exactly like that, except for mine had roof racks and a bar that came out off the front so that I could carry my five kayaks uh, at the same time. In moving down, I also had my King single mattress inside the car, uh, up over resting on the dash, uh, and I took the car, the driver's seat out and installed an office chair uh, so that I could get that down to Sydney as well. It was an exciting time to leave my hometown and uh, go to uh, Sydney and start university. I should say I dislocated my shoulder the day before, and so I was also driving a manual car with my left arm in a sling, and so changing gears with my right hand, reaching through my office chair. It was exciting times. New eras can be exciting. New eras can also, though, open doors of uncertainty and anxiety and sadness for us. For some of us, starting a new school year is not all exciting. Starting a new job might make us feel uncertain and anxious Perhaps we're going through a new era of unemployment or being a new parent. That's not always exciting. Perhaps we're coming to terms with a health issue that we'll now have to live with for the rest of our lives. Or perhaps the new era of life following the death of a parent or a spouse. Adjusting to living life now without that someone who you loved and or depended on. New eras can be exciting and times for uncertainty, anxiety and sadness. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus' disciples enter a new era. Is it exciting? Will they be sad? Will they be anxious? They've been with Jesus... They've walked with Jesus, they've eaten with Jesus, they've been with Jesus day in, day out, they have seen Jesus go to the cross and die, they have seen Jesus go into the tomb, they've seen Jesus be raised from the dead. And Jesus gives them his mission, go out to the ends of the earth, bear witness to the death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins and for new life. But then... Jesus goes up to heaven and for his disciples they are now in this new era of doing mission after Jesus has gone up to heaven. Is it exciting? Will they be sad? Will they be anxious? Well there are three movements for us to pay attention to here in Acts 1. First of all, verses 1 to 8, there's this expectation that the disciples will go out. 
Jesus is preparing them and giving us this command to go out to the ends of the earth as they bear witness to Jesus. We spent a fair bit of time on these first eight verses last week as we were looking at the main road through Luke-Acts to be reaching out beyond the fringe. Movement one is this expectation of the disciples to go out. Uh, Movement two is in verses 9 to 11 as Jesus goes up. This is where we're going to spend most of our time today. It's the shortest movement in chapter 1, but it is the one that has the most significance in Acts and continuing through us today. So we're going to spend a fair bit of time there on this second movement as Jesus goes up. The third movement, verses 12 to 26, is the disciples' return to Jerusalem, just as Jesus tells them to do. They return to Jerusalem, and from there in Jerusalem we see the disciples in the new era after Jesus goes up. There's three movements. Expectation of going out, Jesus goes up, and the disciples return. So let's quickly revisit uh, verses 1 to 8, where Jesus prepares his disciples for the new era. The disciples are on the border of the new era. Jesus is just about to go. And Luke here gives us a snapshot of what Jesus is doing to prepare his disciples for the ongoing mission. They will be used in God's salvation plans from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. But before they go out, they are to wait. Have a look with me again, please, in chapter 1, verse 4. Before they go out, they are to wait, verse 4. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. There to wait for the Holy Spirit. When you train to be a nurse, I haven't, but I understand when you've completed your studies, when you've done all your pracs, when you've done all your placements, you're appointed to a hospital, you find a job, but you can't actually get on with the job until your accreditation comes through. With Jesus' disciples, his mission cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. And if this is so for Jesus' disciples who knew him face to face, who walked with him, lived with him, heard his teaching, who saw his death, who saw his resurrection, who heard directly from Jesus his command to be on mission and going out to the ends of the earth, if this is so for those who knew him face to face, how much more for us? Church ministry, world mission, gospel preaching, personal evangelism are not merely human activities. We cannot do them without Jesus' presence by his Holy Spirit. Jesus' disciples can and will go out to the ends of the earth in the new era when he goes up and the Holy Spirit comes. Let's continue reading in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be uh, my... 
So I lost my place. Let's start again. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Continuing in verse 9. After he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is a huge moment in Jesus' ministry. Jesus going up. A cloud hiding him from the vision of the disciples. This is a huge moment in Jesus' ministry. If this was a stage musical, this would just kind of be a fluffy, lovey moment where the characters float around and gaze into each other's eyes lovingly in the sky. I saw La La Land this week. The bit where people go up and float around is a lovey-dovey scene. Fluffy. Not so here. We're going to break out to the side here now and do an Ascension 101. Let's do a quick understanding of what it means for Jesus to ascend. We had a discussion in our staff team this week. Uh, Why is it better that Jesus is in heaven now than here? And I've got six points to make about this under Ascension 101. There's four there so far, the other two will come. They're not secret, they're not hidden. We'll just get to them. Number one. This is a huge moment in Jesus' ministry because this is Jesus' heavenly coronation. This is the moment where Jesus is marked King and Lord of all. This has got Old Testament background to it. Uh, This is the fulfilment of the vision in Daniel chapter 7 where the Son of Man would come on the clouds and he would be the one who would have ultimate authority from God. He would have all glory, he would have all sovereign power and everyone will give him all worship. This is the fulfilment of that as Jesus has his heavenly coronation. It's also the realisation of the visions that we see in the book of Revelation that we're looking at late last year. This is where Jesus is on the throne at the centre of all heaven now. As Jesus ascends, Jesus takes up his heavenly throne. That's number one. Number two, this is Jesus' return to his Father. Not just going back home, but returning to his Father because he has completed the work that his Father had given him and sent him to do. And he is preparing the way for us to follow him uh, to the Father. If you're not familiar with John, the later half of John's Gospel, John chapter 13 through to chapter 21, have a read through that again this week and see how as Jesus does the work that his Father has given him to do, he is returning to his Father and and, and showing and preparing the way for those who belong to him to follow. Jesus returns to his Father. Now it's not that he's got his job done and he's now knocked off early and he's left his apprentices to wrap up the job, to clean up the site, to bring all the tools back to the workshed. No, Jesus continues his mission from heaven. The book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. 
but you could just as rightly call it the ongoing acts of Jesus by his Holy Spirit through the apostles. Just kind of doesn't fit in any search engines or at the top of pages. But that's what's going on. Jesus continues his mission from heaven, from his heavenly throne. That's number three. Number four, we've already hinted at this one, because Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes. As Jesus ascends, we go into this incredible new era that is a reality that was previously only for leaders amongst God's Old Testament people, but now for all people, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and in us and to us. Previously only available to God's specially appointed uh, leaders like the king or the priests or the prophets. But because Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes on all people to be Jesus' presence with us and guide us. That's a promise that you'll find in uh, that later half of John's Gospel. Through the Holy Spirit coming, we are empowered for Jesus' mission. We see that here in Acts 1 verse 8 or Ephesians 4 that we looked at a few weeks ago of the gifts that God gives to the church. That is linked to Jesus' heavenly ascension. And as the Holy Spirit comes, the He works in us to enable us to live new lives that reflect Jesus. I'm going to turn over now to... I'm going to put it on the screen for you so you don't have to turn over. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, we read this. We are being transformed into His likeness, Jesus' likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Because Jesus goes up, the Spirit comes to us and works in us to enable us to live new lives that reflect Jesus. Moving on to number five, Ascension 101, because Jesus ascends, he is now our heavenly mediator and priest. Jesus' death and resurrection secured our forgiveness and salvation, and now he activates that for us in heaven. Uh, Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Jesus is alongside God, seeing that God's good plans and purposes for us in this new era are being worked out. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. We do have such a high priest, one who stands between us and God, who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. Because Jesus ascends, he is our heavenly mediator and priest. And finally, number six, the ascended Lord Jesus will return as king and judge. Because he has gone, we can expect that he will return. As the men said in verse 11 of chapter 1, Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
with that return of Jesus in the future. His reign, which has been established now in heaven, will be fully realised on earth and into eternity because as he returns, as the, the Daniel 7 son of man with all the authority and power of God, as he returns as the, the, the one who is at the centre of the throne of heaven and for all eternity... That reign will be realised on earth as he returns to judge those who stand opposed to God and to welcome into his kingdom those who turn to him in repentance and faith. There's six points for Ascension 101. Why it is better now that Jesus is in heaven than here. But this is not just an academic Ascension 101. What does it mean for us? Well, remember that Jesus is king now. And now Jesus is active in his mission. And therefore we can boldly and confidently engage in the mission that Jesus has given us. And in our suffering, in our hardship, in our temptation, in our sin... We can know that we have a most sympathetic and merciful mediator who brings our every prayer to our loving Father. And we have a certain hope for a glorious future in Jesus' return to put the world right. It's not just academic, is it? It's better for us now that Jesus is in heaven. But does Jesus' disciples get all this? as Jesus goes up and they enter the new era. What would you be thinking and feeling if you were left standing there out <coughs> outside Jerusalem? Could you make sense of what was going on? Would you be ready and able to get on with life and get on with the mission without Jesus? Will Jesus' disciples be excited by the new era? Or sad, uncertain, anxious? Well, without much fanfare, Luke tells us they get on with it. Verse 12. Then, verse 12, then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, there's a list of them there, verse 14, and they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They got on with it. They were devoted in obedience to Jesus by returning to Jerusalem. They were devoted in prayer and entrusting themselves to Jesus. Luke tells us in his gospel account that when Jesus was taken up from them, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. In Acts, then, Luke records for us their appointment of an apostle to replace Judas. They get on with it. They, they, they go about the appointment of another one who will take the place of the one who betrayed Jesus and who is now dead. Now, back when I taught uh, Year 6 school scripture, uh, this was a passage that the boys loved to cartoon uh, for me. As Jesus... Uh, not Judas, Judas' uh, body burst open and his intestines spilled out. You can, uh, we say that Luke was a, was a doctor, 
and uh, you can see a bit of uh, medical description here. I'm going to move on because I get pretty faint even just talking about blood, uh, let alone thinking about it. But here we get this description. Why is it here? Why have we got this replacement juice? Couldn't they just got, got on with 11? Why is it here? Well, Peter tells us it's all about the ongoing fulfilment of God's salvation plans according to Scripture. Now, this is a phrase that comes up repeatedly in, in Acts, according to Scripture, or it is necessary, or it is fulfilled. See there in verse 15 and 16 again. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Jesus. Or down in verse 20, For, said Peter, verse 20, It is written in the book of Psalms. Or in verse 21, therefore it is necessary. These are repeated phrases in the book of Acts. We'll we'll try to look out for them as we go along because what is happening here is the ongoing fulfilment of God's salvation plans according to Scripture going out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. As we continue reading through Acts, we will see more of Jesus' ongoing mission in the new era through his disciples, empowered by his spirit, reaching out to the ends of the earth. Now let's draw out some implications for us in the new era of Jesus' mission. Firstly, how we think and then how we move. We must not think of church ministry, of world mission, of personal evangelism in merely human ways, as just a human activity, as just something that I do, that you do, that we do. Jesus gives his spirit to empower his mission and he will ensure that his gospel does go out to the ends of the earth. And we will and can do it with Jesus' Spirit. We cannot do it without His Spirit. We must not think in merely human ways. That's as we think and so then as we move, as we move out with the Gospel, we will reach out with prayerful and confident dependence on Jesus. Prayerful and confident, dependent on Jesus. Now, Jesus' mission can sometimes, often, feel like an impossible burden for us. Like we can't do it. Not well enough skilled. I'm not a confident enough person. Or we're particularly conscious of this when we go through times of change in life that bring us more uncertainty and more anxiety and more sadness. As things in our life changes, as things in the world roundabout changes, we can, th- we can feel like it's an impossible burden to be on Jesus' mission. Can I point us back to Ascension 101, those six points that we saw there before? because Jesus has ascended into heaven to his place of rule and given us his spirit and he is now our mediator and priest at the right hand of the Father, because of all that, we can know that Jesus knows 
Whatever we're going through in life, however we feel about ourselves, Jesus knows that. And he continues to rule. He continues to be present with us. He continues to intercede for us. He continues to work out his good plans of salvation in this world. You see, before Jesus called us to follow him, before Jesus called us to belong to his kingdom, before Jesus called us to be one of his disciples, when we were still Leanna's age, Jesus knew exactly who we would be. Jesus knew exactly our weaknesses, our struggles, our trials. Jesus knew exactly what we would go through. Jesus knew how well we could or couldn't speak. Jesus knew how effective or not we might have been as personal evangelists. Jesus knew how hard life would be at times, perhaps absolutely overwhelming at times. Jesus knew, Jesus knows now, and he calls us and enables us for his mission. Because Jesus is in heaven, you are ready for making Jesus known. Because Jesus is in heaven, you are ready to reach out with the gospel. And he will surely work out his salvation plans through you as you move out in prayerful and confident dependence on him. Have you seen Jesus do that? Are you seeing Jesus do that? One of my good mates, one of those guys who looks like he has it all, successful business, lovely wife, lots of toys, a successful sportsman, Somebody who looked like they didn't need Jesus. But he became a Christian in his 40s. His mother had prayed for him all of his life. The first funeral that I ever did as a minister was for a man in his 80s who had died fairly suddenly. He had become a Christian only a few weeks before in reading Romans. His daughter had prayed for him to become a Christian for 20 years. That's how Jesus works. Are you seeing that? Have you seen it? We can be part of that. We can do it. We are ready for making Jesus known and he will surely work out his salvation plans through us as we move out in prayerful and confident dependence on him. So here's the action point. Commit to praying. Commit to praying regularly for one part of our ministry here at New Life. Commit to praying for it regularly. One part of our ministry here at New Life might be youth ministry, it might be children's ministry, it might be our small groups ministry, it might be our seniors ministry, it might be our ministry into the schools. Commit to praying regularly for one part of that ministry and commit to praying regularly 
for one unbeliever who you know. Pray for them because Jesus is in heaven. We are ready for making Jesus known. Because Jesus has ascended, because he has poured out his spirit, he will enable us to work out his salvation plans here and to the ends of the earth.